All right, let's go ahead and get started with our study today. Hope everyone's doing well. We are in chapter 3 of our confession. Um, So let's uh, open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much, uh, Lord, for the time that we're able to gather today, Lord, to learn of these great truths. Father, as we plumb the, the depths of this doctrine of your sovereignty, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us. Uh, Lord, as we grow in our understanding and knowledge of you, uh, help us, God, to grow in our love for you, our adoration and worship of you. Lord, we pray that you would help those be safe that are traveling here, prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Today, we pray uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in chapter three of our confession. This is of God's decree. As we are sprinting through this confession, and as fast as we've been going, we're going to slow it down just a little bit uh, as we plumb the depths of God's eternal decree. So chapter 3, I did pass out an outline of the chapter, so if you don't have one, uh, I will pass them around again. Alright, so we're actually going to read paragraphs 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump in and probably cover maybe the first sentence of paragraph 1. Okay, But in context... If you look at your outline, it's, it's pretty much divided into, into two big sections, this chapter, chapter uh, paragraph 1 and 2, and then 3 through 7, okay? So, paragraph 1 says, God has decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably, <clears throat> all things whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so is thereby is God neither the author of sin, nor hath fellowship with any therein, nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established, in which appears his wisdom in disposing all things, and power and faithfulness in accomplishing his decree. In paragraph 2, says, although God knows whatsoever may or can come to pass upon all supposed conditions, yet hath he not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future or as that which would come to pass upon such uh, conditions. So as I mentioned, we're uh, tackling this deep theological doctrine called the sovereignty of God. Uh, And the sovereignty of God is a doctrine that is one of the most... Uh, I would say, hated doctrines uh, in the unbelieving world and one of the most resisted doctrines within the Christian faith. So the the confession, what's so wonderful about this confession is not only are there deep doctrinal truths that points us to Scripture and God, but the way that this confession flows is very, very logically and in a beautiful manner. So we went through in chapter 1, uh, the principle of knowing. How do we know anything to be true? What is the foundation of knowledge? Uh, and that's God's word, right? And what is God's word? And, and what is, and how is God's word sufficient? And then moving from uh, the principles of knowing, the framers go into chapter two, which is the principle of being, where we talked about it addresses, you know, who is God? What is God? What is the essence of God? What are his attributes, Right? And so now we have the foundation of knowing, the foundation of being with God, and now we go into eternity past, and the framers address the eternal decree of God. Okay, 
And if you look at the first sentence, this is what we're going to cover today. God has decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably all things whatsoever comes to pass. So when we talk about God's decree, theologians also call it his eternal decree. So God has decreed in himself. This again points to the self-sufficiency of God. God is sufficient in and of himself. And then it says from all eternity. This is what God has decreed from all eternity. Okay? All things whatsoever shall come to pass. Now, when we talk about the attributes of God, God is eternal. Therefore, his decrees are eternal as well. Okay? If you want me to get you to wake up a little bit and get your head spinning, think about this. The things that God has decreed in eternity past are eternal. That's part of his nature, which means there was never a point where he hadn't decreed these things that will come to pass. So as we learn today in the upcoming weeks about what God has decreed from all eternity, again, I want to I stress that it's his eternal decree. That means there was never a point where God said, hey, I'm going to decide to create man. I'm going to decide to do this and do this and do this because of his nature being eternal, he's always had this eternal decree on what he would do when he created mankind and his historical uh, timeline, if you will, of redemption. Okay? All of that is part of God's nature. It's eternal. It, there was never a starting point. Does that make sense? So the catechism that goes along with our confession, one of the very first questions says, what are the decrees of God? Okay, so God has decreed in himself, right, says, from all eternity, all things whatsoever comes to pass. Our catechism puts it this way. The decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. So the decrees of God, we talk about the absolute sovereignty of God. The confession affirms that everything that shall come to pass and that has passed is by and foreordained by God. There is nothing outside of God's eternal decree. That means everything, every event in history is all part of God's eternal plan and decree. So this is why I want to kind of slow down our study of the confession and really uh, approach this topic with a lot of scripture. We're going to be going through a lot of the texts. And then as we go through that, these things, questions naturally arise. And so I want to address those questions. Okay? Uh, the decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. The very next question in our catechism says, how does God execute his decrees? Okay, here are the decrees of God that for his own glory he has foreordained or decreed everything and whatever shall come to pass. How does he execute his decrees? The answer says this, God executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence. All right? So it's no coincidence that the next chapter is on creation. 
Then the chapter after that is on providence. And God's works of providence are his most, um, God's works of providence are, um, well, I had that one memorized, but his most holy, wise, and powerful, uh, preserving and governing all of his creatures and all of his actions. So God decrees in eternity past everything that shall come to pass. And then the way he executes his decrees is through creation, creating all things, and through his acts of providence, which is governing and controlling all of the creatures that he made to accomplish that which he foreordained in eternity past. Okay? Everything that happens, everything that you do, happens according to God's eternal and never-changing decree. Now again, this brings up immediate questions, right? If God has determined everything that will ever happen to me or everything that I will ever do, am, am I not free to make choices? Yes. And we're going to get to that, okay? You made a choice to come to church today. And... God ordained from eternity that you would be sitting here in church today. It's part of his plan. We're going to go through some theological terms uh, to attack that or to talk about that, which the confession addresses in the paragraph when it talks about first causes and secondary causes. Okay? So put that aside for a minute because today we're going to dive into God's eternal decree, his sovereign an unchanging, eternal uh, decree. His decree is both universal uh, and specific. Universal and specific. If you look at your outline, you'll see it's broken up into two sections. And today we're going to begin going through the uh, general decree or his universal decree, okay? His general decree of all events, how it's universal over everything in a broad sense, okay? Uh, and then paragraphs 3 through 7 then goes into God's specific decree, uh, sp- and specifically about God's decree to predestine certain men to everlasting life and allowing other men and women to be passed over and receive the just consequence of uh, their sin. Okay, So let's talk about the universal or the general decree of God. The Bible teaches specifically that all events down to the molecular level are included in God's eternal decree. So let's look at some of these scriptures. Turn to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 24. It says, Yahweh of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely just as I have have intended so, decree, it has happened. And just as I have counseled, so it will stand. And this is specific to Assyria. To break Assyria in my land, and I will trod him down in my mountains. Then his yoke will be removed from them, and his burden removed from their uh, shoulder. This is the counsel that is counseled against the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out against all the nations. For Yahweh of hosts has counseled, 
Somebody else got another version that says something different there. Purposed. purposed. God, Yahweh of hosts has purposed, counseled, and who can what? Thwart it. Frustrate it. And as for his outstretched hand, who can turn it back? Now stay in Isaiah and go to chapter 46. Isaiah 46, beginning at verse 10. All right, let's start at verse 9. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my counsel will be established, or my counsel shall stand, your version may say. And I will accomplish all my what? My purpose or my good pleasure. So in other words, God's saying all the things that I am pleased to do and have have determined from eternity to do, I will do. And nobody can thwart my plan. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Speaking of Christ, it says, In Him we have also been made an inheritance, having been predestined, and that's per ordizo, which means determined beforehand. It says, predestined according to the purpose of Him, speaking of God, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Okay? So this is a simple term that means that everything that God does, the word according there is kata in the Greek, which just means in accordance with, all right? So for instance, all of the Gospels, they didn't start in in, um, early church history. The Gospel of Matthew, the title wasn't Matthew. It actually said kata Matthew, according to Mark. That's how that word is used, okay? According to Matthew. So the text says that God works all things, everything that God does in, in time, right? God is doing things in time. Jesus says, my father is working and he works till now, okay? Everything that God does is in accordance with whose will? Man's will? God's will, okay? Now go to Proverbs 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many thoughts are in a man's heart. What's your version say? Plans. Many plans. Okay, man has thoughts, he has plans. You had plans to come to church today, right? Uh, many plans, many thoughts are in a man's heart, but it is the counsel of the Lord or the counsel of Yahweh that will stand. What's yours say? But it is the Lord's the Lord's purpose. It is the counsel. So man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. Okay? Now go to Psalms 115. Oops. Psalm 115, look at verse 3. 
Excuse me, verse 4. No, verse 3. Verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So when we talk about the will of man, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Man has his own will, but it is limited to God's free will. God is truly the only free agent. He has free will. According to what the word of God says, is that he does all the things he pleases to do. Now, stay in Psalms. Go over to 135, verse 6. Psalm 135, verse 6. It echoes the same thing from Psalm 115. It says, whatever Yahweh pleases, he what? He does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. So these are texts to show us that God's decree is universal. It's broad in scope. It's over uh, everything. Okay, go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 34. We are exercising our Bibles today. Okay, this is when Nebuchadnezzar, you know the account, what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, right? At the end of those days, when God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, it says in verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes towards heaven, and my knowledge returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion, okay, what's your verse say? What's your version say there? Is something different? His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Listen to what it says in verse 35, the end there. And no one can strike his hand No one can strike against his hand or say to him, what have you done? Well, I guess you could say, what have you done? But the the point is, is that nobody can question God's plan, God's will, God's purpose, what God does. Nobody can question them and have an accusation against God. So again, it says he does whatever he purposes to do, whatever his will is, he does among the inhabitants of the earth. Okay, now turn to Job 42. Job is right before Psalms. Job 42. After God hears Job's complaining, he sort of puts him in his place, doesn't he? Uh and for like two and a half chapters, he's like, where were you? Did, you? did you help create the stars? Where were you when I created the animals? Then Job answered Yahweh, verse 1, and said, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Okay, again, so we're seeing that God's eternal decree is never changing. It never had a beginning. He determined all things whatsoever shall come to pass, and no man, it says, in many texts, this is one of them, no man can thwart God's plan. So the decrees of God are universal. Uh, they are broad in scope, but they're also specific. 
The Bible teaches specifically that all events are included in God's decree. So this is a list uh, Sam Waldron in his book gives seven different types of events that are all included in God's decree. Okay, So we're going to start to go through these today. Uh, first thing, God, uh, good and evil events, both good events and evil events are all part of God's decree. So turn to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, verse 7. Speaking of Yahweh, speaking of the Lord, it says, The one forming light and creating darkness, producing peace and creating what? Calamity. I am Yahweh who does all these. So, the confession gets to, we're not getting there yet, because I know what you're starting to think. think. The, the confession gets that God is not the author of evil. Okay, And we're going to get to that in later sessions. But he says here, he creates these calamities. Okay, What did he say to Moses when Moses said, I stutter, send someone else? Anybody recall? How does that fit in with our study? Yeah. Who made the stammering mouth, right? Okay. Now turn to Amos chapter 3. Amos is a, new, um, is a minor prophet towards the New Testament, but before the New Testament. It's very close to Matthew in your Bible. Amos chapter 3, after Joel, before Micah. Amos chapter 3, look at verse 6. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity happens in the city, has not Yahweh done it? So, good events, calamity events, good events, evil events, are all still within God's eternal decree, His eternal purpose. And He works all things uh, for the good, right? We don't know that ultimate purpose. We don't know the secret counsel and the secret plans of God, but the Bible is so very clear and explicit that God's decree includes good and evil events. Job chapter 1 now. Job chapter 1 verse 21. We know this verse, right? After God allows Satan to pretty much take away almost everything he says verse 21 naked i came from my mother's womb and naked i shall return there yahweh gave and yahweh has taken away blessed be the name of the lord god used the actions of satan as part of his plan and decree for job's life we are able to see the eternal side and the and job's not he's in in it right so yahweh took away he said but it was satan Right? So God's decree includes good and evil events. God's uh, decree also includes sinful actions. The sinful actions of man is included in God's decree. Okay, now we're going to, again, we're going to go into uh, the accusation that God is the author of evil if you have that position. But for, the, for today and for the rest of the few minutes, we're going to look at the account of Joseph. 
The account of Joseph is one of the uh, most glaring accounts how God uses the sinful actions of men to accomplish what he declared to accomplish in eternity past. So turn to Genesis chapter 50. And the other example we'll look at probably next week is the crucifixion of Christ. So you know the account of, of Joseph. This is at the end. Look what it says in verse 20. After uh, Israel dies and his brothers then become fearful uh, and again guilty and convicted about what they did to their brother, uh, here's what Joseph says in verse 20. He says, well, verse 19, he says, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to do what has happened on this day to keep many people alive. Okay. Wow, we got a heckler over here. <laughs> uh, so let's think about the whole account of Joseph for a moment. Okay. What would have happened in history if Joseph was not the leader of Egypt, second in command of Pharaoh? What would have happened to the to the God's chosen people through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, they would have starved. Yeah, presumably they would have starved. And a lot of people, because there was a great famine, right? Okay. God had already told Abraham that he would make his descendants as numerous as the sand of the sea. Okay? That promise was there. He decreed that in eternity past. All right? So let's think about this. When Joseph's brothers decided to beat him up, throw him in a pit, okay? Were they guilty for their sin? Yes, they were culpable, right? If they hadn't have done it, would Joseph have ended up in Egypt? No. God could have made another way. Okay? Um, God could have made it another way. And this. Did you, do you remember that Joseph's brothers actually wanted to kill him? Let's kill him. Okay? Their desire, their sinful desire was to kill Joseph. God used Reuben to say, no, let's not do that. Okay? Oh, and by the way, this is how sovereign God is. Do you remember where Joseph found his brothers? He found them in a town called Dothan. That's not where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be 20 miles south in Shechem. That's where Jacob sent them. Sent them to Shechem to shepherd the flock. And then sends Joseph to go check on them in Shechem. Joseph gets there and he's, they're not there. And then, oh, coincidence, he met, meets a guy that says, oh, I, I, your brother said they're going to go to Dothan. Now look at him. It's, it's like 20 miles north of there. Okay? So if, um, so if he hadn't met the guy, he wouldn't have met his brothers, got beat up. And what was in Dothan? Guess what, guess what path doesn't go by Shechem to Egypt? Yeah, yeah it, it was uh, the Ishmaelites. The path, that historic path, swept through and went through Dothan to Egypt. There was no, there was no convoy and path going through Shechem. God's providence. God moving all of these things to accomplish his end, which was to save his people, to get them in Egypt, to then raise up Pharaoh to harden his heart, to show his glory, to then bring his people out of Egypt 
and you know, we won't go into all that. But suffice to say, God used the sinful actions of his brothers as part of his plan to accomplish his will. How about Potiphar's wife? When, he tried, when she tried to seduce him, was that a sinful act? Yeah. Had he, she not done that, Joseph would have never been stuck in jail by Potiphar, right? Okay? So God uses those sinful actions that that woman freely chose of her own volition, her own will. God used that as part of his ultimate decree and plan. Okay? Now, how does that all end up in eternity? All right? I don't know. But uh, R.C. Sproul um, uh, teaches a word called concurrence. Okay? Concurrence is when two things are happening at the same time. So when you have Potiphar's wife trying to sleep with Joseph, that's her will, but at the same time, God's will is being accomplished by allowing that to happen as part of his will. Okay? Uh, which is another way to put it is you have first causes and secondary causes. All right? The first cause is God's decree, what he foreordained in eternity past. Okay, that's the first cause. The secondary cause was that person's sinful will to do that. And it was part of God's plan. And again, we're going to get to God not being the author of evil, but uses the secondary causes to accomplish his plan. Um, So, God's decree includes good evil events, sinful acts. Um, So we got through two of seven. And we're running out of time. Uh, But very briefly, and we'll start here uh, next week, is God also uses the sinful acts of uh, Judas and all of the sinful acts of the people who crucified Jesus, okay? And in Acts chapter 4, it actually says that the people who crucified Jesus did all that God had determined for them to do. The sinful acts, they did out of their own will. Judas, his sinful betrayal was out of his own will. But according to Acts chapter 2, it was all part of God's predetermined plan, all right? So other things we'll go over next week that are part of God's decree. Again, God's decree is specific. His dominion is overall. Um, he's also uh, all, also part of his decree are free acts of men. We're going to go through that. Also including God's decree are what we would think are accidents, random chance events. That's still all part of God's decree. God's decree is also over every detail of your life. And we'll go over that, including the, the hair that falls out of your head, which are a little bit more for me than some. God's decree is also uh, over the affairs of the nations. We'll go through that. God's decree is also over the final destruction of the wicked. So any, any questions? We've got, we got time for a minute or two. Any questions about what we've covered so far? Again, some of the things I kind of teased out there we're going to cover. I think we're going to probably be in this, at least in this chapter, for a good few weeks, in this paragraph for a couple weeks. So, Any questions about what we've covered today?
people have about doctrine like this. Yeah. So that's great. And that's a, yeah, so the question was, or the, the statement really, people struggle with this doctrine because if God is sovereign and he's all-powerful, then why does he let these bad things and these evil things happen? So, and we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but, yeah, good. All right. Uh, let's pray, and then we will break. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much, Lord, for this time together in your word. Father, help us, Lord. Lead us and guide us. Help us, God, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you are sovereign over all. I thank you that your kingdom, as we read, is an, is an everlasting uh, kingdom, that you have dominion over all things, Lord. And, Lord, as we will learn, we are also responsible, Father, for obeying you. Help us, Lord, to live in that reality, God, that we need to seek you and we need to Seek your word, to obey it, to walk in truth, to walk in the Holy Spirit. God, help us to handle this great doctrine with great prudence and care. Now, Father, as we turn our attention to the corporate worship, pray that you would be with us, lead us, and guide us there. Father, may Christ be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.